Welcome to episode 25 of People Behind the Business, a show for small businesses with small teams and huge ambitions. I'm your host, Rosemary Richards. On this week's episode, I spoke to Yolanda McAdam, who really just uh, wanted to share some of her experiences uh, about her journey of running a grand total of not one, but multiple businesses and some things that entrepreneurs that are doing this for the very first time can learn from the ups and downs of this experience. So I know this is something that a lot of you can learn more from. So here's Yolanda McAdam. And without further ado, I'm going to let her go ahead and introduce herself. I'm Yolanda McAdam, and I'm a social media and marketing strategist and business coach, which is to say that I help business owners attract a consistent flow of clients. A big part of what I love about your business is, is the name. So what's the story behind the name? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wish there was an interesting story behind the name, um, but it was actually born out of desperation. I worked on coming up with a fun, super creative, you know, company name for about a week or so. And every time I came up with a name, it was already taken. So I decided to use a word that would mean something to my target audience, which at that time was construction and renovation companies. And it worked out for me. Yeah, the first clients I got were in the the industry, the construction industry. And that's a good point to note because I feel like so many people get so caught up in the name in the beginning. Yeah. And I mean... And not to brag, but it's, it's a very odd name, my name, you know, Sweet 532. It's so strange, but it's worked for me. I mean, it doesn't seem to be putting people off. So, yeah, people worried too much about their name, I think. Yeah. So what made you interested in pursuing the entrepreneurial lifestyle and working with other entrepreneurs as well? Yeah, um, I think I start. well, I kind of feel like I was a born entrepreneur. I remember being entrepreneurial as a child. I was always trying to make money somehow. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so when I did decide to quit the corporate world in my early 30s, I, I left because I wanted more freedom and I wanted to spend more time with my sons. Uh, and also I understand the mindset and I'm familiar with the challenges. So when you ran your other two previous businesses, uh, you mentioned that the biggest mistake you made was not being picky enough about the clients that you worked with. Uh, what what tactics have you put in place since then to prevent that from happening in the future? Yeah, that's, you know, such a good question. Um, I think it's tempting to say yes to everyone that wants to work with you, uh, especially when you're starting out because you're still building your reputation and you, you know, you have some real concerns like how are you going to keep a roof over your head and how are you going to pay for all the shiny tools you need to run your business, right? So you, you, you say yes because of those, I mean, those are very, pressing needs right Mm -hmm. um but when you say yes to every client you actually unknowingly are saying no to your ideal clients you're like closing yourself off so the first thing i recommend you do is you create a client profile which is a comprehensive description of your ideal client and then make sure that you answer important questions like what keeps your client up at night and what does she really really want 
and how can you help her get what she really, really wants? Because most people, what they really want is not what they say they want. So you need to do a lot of digging, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get to know as much as you can really uh, about your ideal client and then make sure that uh, you know, that, that you let your ideal client know that you can help them in, you know, in your work with me page on your website. Make sure that you actually outline who your uh, your ideal client is. And then next up, design your client intake system. This is a part that most people just ignore or overlook. So create a client intake system, write out a process for each you know, component, every step, how your prospect finds you, how they can confirm appointments with you, um, you know, when you send contracts and how you get paid, for example. And then it's also a good idea to share this process or the system on your website. And then make sure that you add an intake form or questionnaire to your website because people who complete your intake form are serious about working with you. They have every intention to work with you or at the very least want to get to know if you're a good fit. And that's that's basically how I sift out, you know, the good from the bad. Yeah, and that's important to note too because especially if you're dealing with a lot of people virtually it can be uh the first time you deal with them so you need to get a sense of how committed they are and their personality too exactly exactly and if people actually take the time to go through that whole intake process i mean it shouldn't be too long i mean you should always make it relatively easy for people to get hold of you and to work with you but don't make it so easy that um yeah you just end up with everyone right you have to be really um, focused and specific about the person that you want to work with. So, uh, what about people who are really feeling the temptation to say yes because they're just starting out? Like, when I look back at my first year of business, too, I can really empathize with that. I really realize that's something people still experience. Yeah, I, I totally get it. I too empathize. I, I just said yes to the wrong people and then it, I suffered, right? I actually had a breakdown because I was just too busy. I was just taking on too many, too many clients. Um, I think also it, it's, it speaks volumes about your level of self-awareness and sense of worth if you are, if you just say yes to the right people. Your yes should come from a place of strength and not from a place of desperation, if that makes sense. You you have to remember that you're starting out, you're building your reputation. Your reputation is super important. And it's like Seth Godin has actually said before, your reputation is actually more important than what you do. So, you know, it's easy if you take on the wrong people, it's easy for your reputation to be muddied, right? If they give bad reviews or the feedback's not positive, then your reputation suffers. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? So when you do great work with great clients, they actually help build your reputation. They help spread the word and your business grows. So it's worth holding out for those great clients if you can, right? Absolutely, because then you're known for just one thing too. And then uh, yeah, they're much closer to what you're interested in too. And it's, what's the point if, if you're just working with random people? Exactly. I mean, there's... How can I say? I learned a lot by working with the wrong people. So there, there's there's a, a pro to this. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was a benefit to this. Mm-hmm. I learned who I did not want to work with. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, if you do start out with a few, and and I think everyone does. I mean, you you cannot get it a hundred percent right. Definitely not. You are definitely going to have a bad client here and there, someone that's not ideal. 
I don't, you know, it's, it's, I, I use the word bad, uh, reluctantly because I don't really think bad is, <laughs> I mean, you just get the, it's just not a good fit, right? So yeah. you just get people that you're just not a good fit. So it's, it's actually a good thing to experience that as well, because then you know what you don't, what you're not looking for. That's true, especially for people in the position where they have their first businesses too. They yeah. May, so, it may surprise them. Yeah, it's, it's actually a good thing to make mistakes, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like there's sort of in a lot, you've probably found this in some of the online communities you're part, but there's this dangerous mi- misconception floating around about how it's somehow shameful to feel like you have to go back to the nine to five or you have to at least do it part time. What's your advice for those who are definitely feeling yeah. that stigma? Yeah. You know, I'm actually so glad you mentioned this or you brought this up because I have noticed that recently. I've noticed a lot of uh, you know commentary about people going back to the nine to five jobs so, and um kind of taking a break from their online businesses. And just well to give you a little bit of my backstory, I I chose to go back to work after being an entrepreneur for like almost two decades in South Africa. I did, I chose to go back to work when we immigrated here to Canada, right? Mm-hmm. So my, and my reasons were to, to, to go back to work so that I could integrate with the culture, right? So I could learn more about Canada and make friends, etc. So that's why I chose to go to work. So that's, that was my main reasons. And I'm very happy that I did that. Uh, but I also think what's important to start, I mean, just to say it quickly as well, is that you should always put your health and well-being above all things. I mean, it's like it should always be your top priority. So if you're working day in and day out in your pajamas alone in your apartment with your cat, for example, as, as your only company, it's not very good for you on many levels. It's just not emotionally, you know, it's mentally, psychologically, and all those spiritual and physically a good thing to just isolate yourself. Because it can, you know, it can lead to depression or anxiety, and it will leave you feeling disconnected. And so, probably yeah. less opportunities, too. I've it's, found the best yeah. ones I've got has been by getting out and talking to people and things so like that. So true. Yes. Yes, Rosemary. So, I do encourage people. I mean, if you feel like you need a break, if you need to just get back into the workforce, it's such a good way to just, um, you know, feel connected again, feel powerful, feel appreciated because you don't get a lot of feedback when you're trying to build your own business. You don't really feel valued or appreciated. Uh, so a job connects you with others and it allows you to show off, you know, to show you, show others what you're capable of doing. Yeah. And I, and I think that's important. You know, we just don't get a lot of feedback when you're, when we're alone, when we're isolated, when we, yeah. And, and you also get to keep your finger on the pulse, you know, so to speak. You get to see how things are done by, you know, by bigger organizations in your field or, yeah, you stay I, current, you stay relevant. I said something very similar to, uh, I knew someone who was still at their nine to five, but they wanted to freelance eventually. And what they were doing was actually very close to what they wanted to go into. And that's exactly yeah. why there was so many valuable connections just by staying there and just for a little bit longer. I mean, I consult a lot, right? I, I go into companies and I do marketing consultants. See, sorry. And, and that's also how I just keep growing my business, right? Because it keeps me connected. And people keep spreading the word about me. So, yeah, it's very beneficial to get out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
when you first started uh, Suite 532, uh, what did you dif- do differently than your previous businesses? Yeah, well, I would say that the main difference was that I eased into Suite 532. I, I didn't like rush out to find clients, for example. I gave myself time to shape this business, and, and I'm actually still in this process of fleshing it out and, and growing and developing, if that makes sense. I think a lot of people, when they start out, they think everything should be in order straight away. You know what I mean? They should have clients, they should have systems and processes, they should have uh, maybe an assistant already. Uh, <laughs> and it's not true. You can you can ease into your business. You can grow it slowly. Get comfortable in your new role. You know, especially if you've never done something like this before. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, no matter what small business owners choose to specialize in, uh, I feel like at least some failure is inevitable. Uh, what do you think is the most common and problematic response to the failure elements at the beginning for entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think uh, the I think many entrepreneurs once they fail, they fail once, right, and then they just give up, they walk away, and they fail to realize though that failure is part of the journey, that you're going to fail many many times, and that's okay. In fact, it's more than okay because you don't grow if you don't fail. Absolutely, I I feel yeah. like a big part of that too is just like overcoming that fear of failure. How have you learned to work around that either in your current business or in your previous businesses? Um, you know, interesting enough, it's not, in my work with my clients, it's not fear of failure that holds them back, but fear of success. Hmm. Because, yeah, because success comes with its own set of challenges. It, it demands more of you. You know, when you, for example, when you, when you fail, mm-hmm. uh, no one's really paying attention, really. You fail, people aren't really paying attention. But when you start succeeding, more eyes are on you, right? More, you got people's attention on, people are aware of you. So there's a, a whole set of new challenges. Um, it demands more of you. So uh, what are the most valuable things that small business owners can learn from failure? And why do you think that is the case? The most valuable lessons for me, uh, and I believe this, is from failure are perseverance and determination. Um, and I think of people like Elon Musk, who, I don't know if you know his history, but Elon Musk's resume is littered with failures, <laughs> as was Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. But they, yeah, but both persevered. Yeah. Went on to, yeah. So, you know. Why do you feel is the most common mindset issue that holds your clients back from putting themselves out there as much as they could? Definitely fear of judgment. I think this is a big one for most of us. Um, but also possibly a lack of self-compassion. Uh, because when you realize that we're all human and we're all imperfect, it's easier to, if you remind yourself that doing the best that you can and that people are going to judge you Regardless, you know, they're going to judge you whether you like it or not. It's just part of human nature. We judge. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's a fear of judgment and a lack of self-compassion. So I feel like so much of what holds people back from marketing themselves as much as they could is a belief that marketing is about being salesy. Is that a, something that ever comes up in your conversations with clients? Uh, yeah, uh, and I think it's because people can. Conf- you know, confuse marketing with sales. The, you know, great marketing leads to sales and the two definitely hold hands. I mean, if, if, in, in bigger organizations, the two hold hands, the marketing and the sales departments, right? But good marketing is a long-term building strategy and it's not a sales tactic. So that's the first thing that people need to realize that you, 
if you're marketing, you are, you know, it sales comes easily. It's just part, it, it becomes part of the strategy. That said, we, I think we must also remember that we've been conditioned to think of sales as sleazy and manipulative, but sales is imperative. If you're actually not selling, you are not, you know, earning an income. You're not growing a business. So it's important to realize that you have to sell. Yeah, yeah, it's about making connections. Yeah, and just, yeah, I think it's Kendrick Shope who said that selling is helping, and I love that. Selling is helping. If you can shift that mind, your, your mindset to thinking that selling is helping, you're actually helping people, you're actually adding value, then and it gets easier. Mm-hmm. I feel like stuck out is by taking the time to engage with people in a very personal way online. Uh, could you talk about your process a little bit, that specifically? Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think there's a process to this. I, I like to believe that my followers know that I care deeply about them. And I don't think it's possible to fake love or, or real affection. And you certainly can't fake empathy. Mm -hmm. And I also let, yeah, you can't fake it, right? So I also let them know pretty often how grateful I am for their attention and support online. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say there's a process to this. I think I just engage in a very natural, it's just who I am. I just, I really genuinely care about my followers. And I feel like people can pick up on that too. And that's really important. Yeah. Thank you. So I feel like, uh, the excuse that a lot of people have when it comes to personalized social media is they don't have time. What's your recommendation for those who might have that hesitation? Yeah. Uh, look. <laughs> Social media is a lot of work, a lot of work. And most people don't realize, you know, how hard it is to build engagement, but you can save time if you automate most of your content. And my recommendation is that you specifically automate evergreen content, which is the content that is always relevant to your industry. Um, That saves you time. So what do you wish more people knew about what working with uh, social media strategists and business coaches really like? Uh, firstly, social media is not a quick fix. <laughs> so don't hire me to like, you know, sort out things in like three weeks or something. It's social media is, you have to be in it for the long game, right? And the same goes with coaching. A coach like myself who's experienced both the highs and the lows of running a business is a wonderful support and a catalyst for change, but you have to be in it uh, you know, as a committed relationship. It's like being in a committed relationship, right? You, yeah. you can't listen to every other guru out there and run around after every shiny object. So I help my clients build from the foundation up. This means I help them get to know themselves better and create strategies that align with their core values. So to sum things up, if listeners get nothing else out of the episode, what's the most important thing for listeners to remember about persevering as a small business owner? The, yeah, remember why, remember your why. Like on dark and stormy days, and there's going to be plenty of those, remind yourself of your why. Why did you start your business? And then hire an experienced coach or find a mentor, you know, get someone to, to be your guide. Cause the journey, the journey is far easier if you have a guide. And yeah. So where can listeners find you online? On my website, Sweet 532. So S-U-I-T-E 532. And I'm a lot. I'm very active on Instagram, so also at Sweet532 and Facebook and Twitter. All right. So thanks so much for being on the show. And thank you for having me, Rosemary. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thanks so much 
for tuning in. If you like what you heard and you would like to keep up to date on future episodes, hit the subscribe button on your podcast listening device. And I also have an active newsletter for podcast updates and etc. And the link for that is available in the show notes if you'd like to opt into that. And of course, tell all your friends and I'll see you soon on future episodes.